This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Let's look at the latest GDP figures, Craig, for the UK economy, which grew by 0.2% in July. That was slightly lower than analysts had expected. In fact, these figures could put us in danger of going into recession once those figures come out after the next quarter. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The economy contracted by 0.1% in the second quarter. And the belief is that the additional bank holiday is actually what tipped it over the edge into contraction. And now in the current quarter, we've started off a little bit weaker than expected. Uh, we were expecting 0.3% growth. It was 0.2% growth. The consumer-facing services industry was actually what stimulated a lot of that growth because of things like the Women's Euros, which obviously the UK hosted and uh, England won. And also, as well, the Commonwealth Games. So these are the type of things that drove growth in the first month of the quarter. But obviously now we're going to have that additional bank holiday uh, under, obviously, much sadder circumstances uh, in the current month. And the suggestion by some is that actually that because we are talking about a, a quarter where growth was only expected to be relatively flat... It could be that extra bank holiday again that maybe tips the economy into recession. Now, one thing I always say is you can always kind of take these bank holidays with a, a pinch of salt in terms of the economic implications because I'm still not convinced that we don't see we see any longer-term repercussions. But even more so than that, I think taking two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% growth, something that could quite easily be revised out at any point over the coming quarters, yes, that'll be termed a technical recession, but let's face it, it's not the type of recession which we associate with economic hardship and difficulties like we would have later this year had it not been for the cap on energy bills. So I think we should always tread carefully when kind of using a recession word because there's a very big difference between two consecutive quarters of minus 0.1% growth, which most people won't feel, and something far more significant like recessions we've had in the past. And especially under these extraordinary circumstances, you've mentioned the irony of how the Jubilee with that extra bank holiday affected GDP in June and now we've got the funeral on Monday and as well as that the 10 days of national mourning which could also impact economic growth doesn't seem right even to talk about it like that while we're in this period at the moment having said that there will over the next few days be quite a lot of activity people coming from abroad for the funeral and so on the world will be watching and will be part of the proceedings on Monday. So perhaps it won't affect GDP quite as much as we think. And as I said, it does seem perhaps wrong to talk about it at this stage. It does. And we don't know exactly how it's going to impact the economy. And like I say, longer term, the impact will probably be extremely minimal. So it does feel unsavoury to kind of talk about it in such terms. And in reality, what we should be focusing on is actually mourning the passing of our longest ever serving monarch rather than what impact it's going to have on GDP in the shorter term and whether that's going to mean a technical recession or not. Like I say, that, that is going to be what's written about. We are going to see that. And especially at the end of the quarter when we're past the mourning period and the focus is going to be back on the economy going into what is still going to be a very difficult winter. That is going to be what's going to be talked about a lot more. But I think right now, I don't think it's what we should really be uh, focusing on. And especially, like I say, when we're talking about such small, um, insignificant numbers as far as growth is concerned. Let's look abroad now and the United States. We've got the CPI figures 
tomorrow, I believe. Uh, Craig, what are markets expecting? So markets are expecting another retreat from the data, and I think that's going to be really interesting because it's interesting for two reasons, actually. It's interesting partly because we've seen the run-up to these releases, we've seen a bit of sentiment improve, and I think that's the expectation that the inflation data is actually going to retreat a little bit. And we've seen in the before that that can sometimes be a positive thing because it, you can see people becoming more optimistic, but it can also be a bad thing if you kind of get this wrong. Now, the CPI data is expected to retreat to 8.1% from 8.5%. On a core basis, that's actually expected to increase slightly from 5.9% to 6%. But because the deceleration last month was actually faster than expected, I wonder whether some of this positive sentiment going into the data is an expectation that the same thing could happen again. The second interesting thing about this is the Fed. Now, ordinarily, we'll get the inflation data and then people want to know what the Fed thinks. Well, we won't, have, we won't get to see what the Fed thinks until the actual meeting next week. We've had a lot of Fed speak over the last week from various different policymakers talking up the prospects of maintaining the pace of tightening because inflation is still a problem. Until we see clear signs that inflation is under control, we'll continue to see rapid tightening. And I think one of the reasons why we've seen so many of them coming out and speaking like this is because we're now in the blackout period. So the blackout period starts from the weekend before the week of the Fed meeting. So the Fed meeting is next week. So the blackout period actually started this weekend, just gone. So policymakers knew that they would have no opportunity to reiterate any message or to stress any message to the market in between the release of this data tomorrow and the actual Fed meeting next week. That's a long time for the markets to get overexcited about something that might not happen. So it's been interesting to see the Fed speak over the course of the last week or so. And now there's just so much hype now around this inflation data tomorrow because it's really going to set the tone for trading, but from tomorrow until that Fed meeting next Wednesday. Craig, I wanted to talk to you about the yen and uh, the Japanese currency's woes continue. In fact, Japanese officials may be taking uh, extra steps because they're so concerned about the yen. They're thinking of relaxing border controls for foreign travellers as a way to boost its economy. Things are not going well there. No, I mean, it's the policy divergence really between the central bank and central banks around the world, which is driving the moves that we are seeing in the currency itself and the significant declines that we've seen. And it feels like on a daily basis now we're seeing one Japanese official or another coming out and talking about the urgency with which they are monitoring the moves in the yen and the unsustainability of it and the fact that it doesn't relate to fundamentals um, as a driver and the fact that there could be effectively need, this idea that there could be need to intervene in the markets. Now, they've not necessarily said that explicitly in many cases, but it's quite clear what they are alluding to. And that 140 level is kind of seen as a level widely as a point at which they may become much more uncomfortable and intervention maybe start to be much more seriously considered. We then rose above 144, so that's the dollar-yen pair, and we saw it retreat from there a little bit on Friday. That doesn't look like it's any kind of intervention, rather a kind of more of a risk play that we've seen uh, unfolding in the markets and US yields kind of stabilising. Uh, but it, it is interesting that we are just continually seeing this talk. Now, the reason why that's interesting, the reason why it's important is because it has a diminishing effect over time. You can't come out every single day talking about the fact that you're watching this with urgency and when the currency continues to move against you, just come out the next time and say, we're still watching this with urgency. At some point, there has to be action. You can't be all talk and no action, otherwise the markets start to completely disregard these warnings. There's only so long that verbal intervention lasts in the markets and it seems like so far for quite a while now, Japan has kind of relied on verbal intervention to try and talk up the yen and that's clearly not working particularly well. Now, 
we have seen a bit of a pullback over the last two or three sessions, and the reason is because the dollar's pulled back. It's not been because of successful verbal intervention. It's been a dollar move. If the dollar continues to push on higher, then we'll see the yen come under significant pressure, and at some point, Japanese officials are going to have to act. It seems right now that they're hoping that the dollar will top, and that will pull back, and that will alleviate the pressure. But if that doesn't happen, then, like I say, it does feel like action is going to have to come unless they're going to continue to hope that measures like opening the borders, etc., etc., will do the job for them. I'm just not convinced. It does really feel like a point now where Japan is effectively all in on the dollar topping because it seems that there is a significant reluctance to actually intervene in the markets. Uh, and also, the other thing that could obviously work to alleviate some of the downward pressure on the end, which is the Bank of Japan, if they believe that they are closer to target in terms of inflation and they just tweak their yield uh, curve target uh, from the 10-year at 0% with a 25 basis point buffer, if they stretch that a little bit or if they actually increase it from 0 to 0 0.25 or 0 0.5, a very slight tightening in their monetary policy, then that could actually alleviate some of those pressures as well. But it seems that one side wants to talk up the yen without doing anything, and the other side, uh, being the central bank, doesn't want to do anything because they don't believe they've achieved their inflation target. And that really doesn't leave the yen with much hope beyond the dollar actually coming off its highs. Finally, Craig, oil. And after a fairly long period of lower oil prices, it's up for the third day running today. What's behind this? Well, I think it's a few things. First and foremost, we are seeing a broader improvement in risk appetite in the market. So we have seen equity markets bounce back and we've seen, like I said earlier, the dollar has declined. And I think both of those factors have fed the oil price. While oil has plenty of fundamentals at the minute which are driving price, it is also aligned to some extent with broader risk appetite, especially in relation to the economy for obvious reasons. And the fact that we've seen that softer dollar, I think, has helped to see it recover as well. We, I think we also just simply can't ignore the stance of OPEC+. Plus. Now, they haven't had this emergency meeting yet, but that warning shot was fired earlier this month, cutting output by 100,000 barrels a day, naming the next date for the next meeting on the 5th of October while stipulating that they could hold a meeting in between uh, if an emergency one is called in order to address this volatility in the markets and the imbalance and the misalignment between the price and the fundamentals, etc., etc. So I think that has to be weighing on, on traders' minds Every time this price starts to dip to those kind of five, six month lows and Brent's below $90 a barrel, I do think traders are potentially getting a little bit nervous in case they get that announcement, which could potentially propel the price higher. So that could potentially be feeding into that as well, because it does seem like Brent has found a bit of a flaw over the course of the last six months at times around that $90 a barrel mark. So it's going to be interesting because we actually broke below there late last week, whether it can sustain any moves below there or whether this is one area where OPEC plus in this sense is actually talking up the market. But again, as I said with the yen earlier, talking up the market only lasts for so long and the longer it happens without intervention, you could see traders starting to test uh, the resilience uh, of the group uh, more and more. But of course, we could be talking uh, much further into the future at this point in time. I think broader risk appetite, a weaker dollar is probably helping to contribute to that rebound. Okay, Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.